with the scent of potpourri Filled to commit to memory Crossing the felt roads Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. And while every episode will always be free, if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, early access to content, and much, much more. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media, including Letterboxd at Obsessive Viewer. And today on the show, we're going to be reviewing the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe film and the kickoff to Phase 5 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is currently in theaters, and we're going to round out the show with a probably brief review of Somebody I Used to Know, the new rom-com, rom-drom movie starring Alison Brie and uh, directed by Dave Franco and written by Alison Brie and Dave Franco. Uh, This movie is currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. And of course, joining me uh, to uh, tonight is my podcasting partner, whose Letterboxd activity can be found at letterboxd.com slash obsessive viewer, the one and only Tiny. How's it going, Tiny? Hey, man, going pretty good. Nice, nice. I had to um, adjust the script there because i initially had and joining me today on this valentine's day is my podcasting partner uh but uh we did not record on valentine's day um right so yeah so yeah um so yeah so what's new we just did a patreon thing uh how how do you feel about that pretty good pretty good it was uh we talked about a lot it was long we did it was a very long one yeah so you can find that at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer um which I, I guess I'll go ahead and go into more detail about the Patreon if you guys don't mind, um, the listeners and you, um, Tiny. Uh, I actually mind quite a bit. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go ahead and play us out. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next time with more stuff. Um, so, uh, no, but uh, but yeah, Patreon. Um, I do want to mention that we do have several different uh, Patreon tiers, of course, um, $1, $2, uh, $5, and $10 tiers, uh, all with different stuff, but I just launched two new specialized Patreon tiers. I think I've mentioned this on Tower Junkies, I've mentioned it on Anthology, but here on, uh, I think I've mentioned it here too, but anyway, uh, we have two $4 specialized Patreon tiers, so basically if you only want Stephen King related content because since we do Tower Junkies you can pledge $4 and just get Stephen King stuff not anything else not any like um, B-roll stuff or uh, non-Stephen King commentary stuff it's just a specialized tier for uh, for Stephen King related stuff and likewise if you're an anthology listener and want only science fiction related things there's another $4 tier that you can get specialized Patreon uh, specialized science fiction only Patreon content on that. Or if you want access to all of that, <laughs> to everything without 
caring about like like different specialized versions or whatever, you can just pledge five dollars and get early access to content, bunch of a bunch of commentary tracks and everything. So anyway. That's my Patreon spiel, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And, uh, and yeah, so tiny, we have two movies to review and I do have a list of some news items to bring up before we get into the reviews. Um, okay. And the first thing I want to say, um, really, I, this is more just for your benefit. Really, <laughs> Uh, the Super Bowl happened. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. How did you feel about like the ads and like anything media related for the Super Bowl? Like how did how did that turn out? Um yeah, so I did. I watched the whole thing this year. Um it was a really good game. Uh mm. came down to the wire. Chiefs won. Yeah. Um so that was exciting and uh it was good that the game was good because the commercials and ads not not so much. Oh um, really? Yeah, there were a few gems, but nothing, nothing crazy. Um, the so the halftime show, people. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I, I'm just so annoyed with everyone being like halftime show sucks. So cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just I, I, no one cares that you didn't like <laughs> right. the halftime show. Like, yep, a hundred and fifty million people watched it. It doesn't matter if you didn't like it. Like, it's just, and it's just. I, I mean. I don't know. Like it's, it's they're amazing. Like it's amazing what they accomplish. Like they mm-hmm. construct the stage in a matter of minutes, and then there's three hundred people doing a performance on and around and above that stage, yeah. and then they take it all down in a matter of minutes, and they film it all for mil- tens, hundreds of millions of people to watch. It's amazing what they do, and people just in a half second tweet out, "That sucked." I hate yeah. it. Boo. Uh, I just, I mean, yeah. That's so, like, this is going to sound so dumb on my part, and I apologize for for disclosing my dumbness to the world <laughs> right now, but it's wild to me, because, like, I don't know if I ever really put it together until I heard you speak those words out loud just now, but it's wild that they put together the show, and it's a halftime performance. It's on the field, and then, yeah. like, all of the, like like the pyrotechnics and like the choreography and stuff. And then to take it away for the res- the resumption of the game is like wild to me. Like that's, yeah, that's incredibly impressive. Like, sorry if you didn't like yeah. it, but also like it doesn't matter. Cause Holy crap. The accomplishment is, is very impressive. The scale is impressive. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I, I, I had a rant on, uh, uh, Facebook about mm-hmm. it and like I don't post a lot on social media anymore just because right. I don't really have a lot to say anymore but <laughs> yeah. I had a rant about it and it kind of reminded me why I don't post rants anymore Oh yeah, because um, like I, I basically posted what I just said and someone commented on it and was like oh you hear that folks if so, if it was a ton of production involved and a bunch of money was spent you have to like it oh really I was like, I was uh, like that's not not at all what I said yeah okay, that's not whatever. the point at all but okay yeah jeez <laughs> so wow. but yeah i i mean i don't know i i sh- still don't know why i even decided to post that but mm-hmm. in the moment i was just annoyed because i thought it was i thought it was a good show like i i i'm a i'm a rihanna fan like i like rihanna um yeah and i thought it was pretty impressive what she did being pregnant and everything 
Um, and they had like, did you see highlights at all? Like, no, I didn't. They literally had like six or seven uh, platforms that they were suspending in the air that da- people were dancing on, including oh, wow. Rihanna. Like, she was like, I think they said like 150 feet in the air. Like, and this was like a like a 10 foot by 10 foot platform that they had like on on wires that they were suspending in the air and they had like seven of these and they were there were people on them the whole time and they were going to different elevations and moving up and down and moving all around and people getting on and off of them and there was a huge stage the stage was massive it was like you know it's a hundred hundred and twenty yard long field and this seriously was probably from like one twenty yard line to the other twenty yard line i mean this is a huge uh a huge stage um and just all tons of people, literally a hundred performers out there. Um, it was, it was really, really cool. Um, and you know, I, like I've seen better ones. Sure. But I just can't stand it. People are like it sucked. It was terrible. Yeah. Like, like if you said like, Oh, I didn't really like it. Like, that's fine. Like, yeah. of course you can not like something. Oh, yeah. like, oh, it sucked. And like, I don't know why they do that. And they should have this person. And it's just like, right. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I just saw the comment yeah. too. That's that's annoying. Um, yeah, yeah. I like that reminds me of something. Some like some like crotchety old person uh, on. I think it, I think it was someone like in like local government or something had posted this very just out of touch thing like a couple of years ago where it was something like how. Um, the rate like he was listening to the radio and the like it was it was like dave dave grohl's like birthday or something and so like the dj like celebrated it and said like you know uh, you know shout out to a legend dave grohl like his birthday or whatever and like this guy posted like i think like on his like local government page or whatever maybe it was his personal face facebook i don't know but anyway saying like i don't understand why you know why people need to celebrate people that no one's ever heard of. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like your, your experience isn't the world's experience. You like that. How arrogant, like I just, right. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just the internet sucks. <laughs> thank you for listening to this. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer. <laughs> But yeah, well, that's cool. I'm I'm glad that you know the Super Bowl was entertaining. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was also I don't I assume this wasn't the first time, but there were um, uh, a set of brothers, the Kelsey brothers. Uh, oh. One played for the Eagles, and one plays for the uh, Chiefs, and they played oh, each other. Um, wow, that's awesome. That's wild. Yeah, I don't know. If, it was nicknamed the Kelsey Bowl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's cute i like that yeah um, i don't know if that's ever happened but it probably has happened before but, yeah um, yeah wow jeez you know yeah it's interesting yeah Oof. what what super bowl was this super bowl like the number 57 i think 57 also that's just as an aside that's just wild that the super bowl and the nfl is that young like i don't know that just feels like wrong right like it feels yeah. like I just I don't understand. I can't wrap my head around that. Um <laughs> but also like yeah, you haven't seen you haven't seen brother play against brother like that or fight against brother <laughs> since the Civil War. Um 
Um, but it's awesome. so dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm glad that it was good. That's awesome. Um, yeah. A few things else. I'm going to kind of rapid fire through some of this stuff because it's just really uh, brief. But um, since last last time uh, we released an Obsessive Viewer episode, my friend Nick was on the show to talk about uh what did we review we reviewed you people that was the supplementary review what was the other review we knock did? at the cabin knock at the cabin that's right um yeah. but we we reviewed you people as kind of the supplementary review and like as is as is just the case just how it happens a day or two after the episode news broke like about the movie you people and it's so weird like did you hear anything about this movie and about the i don't even want to call it controversy it's just anecdote about it no it's not really on my radar okay so you people has jonah hill uh, it's basically like um he's in an interracial relationship and he has to meet his his african-american girlfriend fiance's parents and eddie murphy is just just very like domineering kind of presence and everything so it's it's kind of that it's not good it's not a good movie it's very cringy and at times like very offensively cringy um and just in it just doesn't work all that well but one of the actors in the movie was on a podcast or something. And he said that like, you know, it's wild. Cause I was there on set when they filmed the big like kiss scene. And it was so weird because they had Jonah Hill and I can't remember the actress's name. They had them kind of like, like move in for the kiss. And then they stopped about like a foot away from each other. So like they never kissed, but they just CGI the kiss <laughs> and, okay and like with that information when you go back and watch it like it happens toward the end of the movie um it looks weird like her mouth just kind of like morphs into his mouth and it's oh it's so bizarre and like there's like confetti like cgi confetti that is presumably like placed in the shot to pull focus away from the fact that like they've just morphed into each other because they did not kiss on set um it's really weird it's so weird but i'll put a link in the show notes to like a, a like information about this but it's it's wild i'll even i'll even put like a timestamp in the movie you people which is on netflix um i'll find the timestamp and like put it in the show notes as well so you guys can uh fast forward to it but um but yeah it's it's so bizarre and weird uh, and the movie is not huh. good but but i was really proud of the episode i did with nick um with knock at the cabin and you people it was a lot of fun um yeah so um any thoughts on that tiny um i i had started listening to that episode with you oh, guys nice. i haven't i haven't actually gotten to the meat of the episode where you review oh, yeah. the stuff yet because <laughs> i i pivoted today and listened to something else but yeah i oh, nice. um yeah good uh good stuff oh thank you thank you um yeah i was really proud of that episode um i listened to it while i was at menards uh getting some uh some supplies to try to make get some channel locks and some fucking carriage bolts and you know shit 
I don't have just... a, I don't have a carriage. It's just a car. <laughs> um, it's 2023, tiny. Um, but, nice. Uh, but no, it's so dumb. No, uh, I was getting some some uh, wood blocks uh, to kind of retrofit my cheap table right. for for uh, work from home stuff and podcast stuff. Anyway, uh, the other the uh, two rapid fire things um, is that Arrested Development is leaving Netflix. They are pulling Arrested Development off of Netflix, which it comes with the territory of streaming. But the thing is, Netflix has two seasons of Arrested Development that is Netflix exclusive. And for them to pull yeah. it off, I don't know if there's I, I don't remember if there's a physical release, but this is a trend that I hate. I talked about it on Anthology because Paramount Plus just pulled um jordan peele's uh twilight zone reboot off of off of the service and like i like that literally caught like i my reaction was to cancel paramount plus like i'm done with paramount plus because yeah like i was a defender of that show but that doesn't matter because they just pulled like they pulled it they pulled it it's like that's their original programming and they pulled it off of the thing people worked on that show and it's just yeah it's so offensive and just crappy of them Presumably, you're not going to be able to see it anywhere else, right? Right. I they are airing on Sci-Fi every like Wednesday, but like we're in the streaming era, <laughs> right? <laughs> like right. it's just and it, fortunately there is a physical release for the Twilight Zone, but it's just it's so weird and like HBO Max having so many just shows that are just gone, like um uh uh kind of an ant-man and the wasp connection uh william jackson harper who makes an appearance in quantumania he was in season two of love life which was on hbo max season one had anna kendrick both of those seasons are gone and like there's no way to watch that show and like the first season was good i really liked it and now i'll never be able to see it again um well there are ways but and yeah. And that's so weird too, because you would think from like a technological standpoint, like what what cost is involved with keeping those shows available? I really don't I think and I I'm not I I I will preface this by saying that I have not done my due diligence. I don't know the specifics, but I think it comes down to royalties. Like I think it is I oh. think it literally comes down to the the powers that be not wanting to pay uh pay residuals to the people who worked on the show um for it to just be to for it to just exist on streaming so my I, I would this isn't even like my understanding of it this is just my assumption i have a feeling that maybe it's it comes down to like you know, we can sell this show to a, to, uh, to an actual network or we can, we can sell it in syndication to a network we can control how many times it airs on television. And that, in, in that case, we can control how many, how much we pay out in residuals to everyone involved, or we can have it on the streaming platform in perpetuity and pay out a lump sum or pay out, pay out a, a set amount of, uh, residuals every every year for a show that may not be streamed as as much as it would be shown in syndication or is st- is streamed less than it would be shown in syndication but we're paying more in residuals that 
that's my assumption. I, I, I'll dig into it and look and maybe put like a disclaimer in the show notes or something, but, um, yeah, yeah. but it's also that's a good point. I hadn't really yeah. thought of that. Uh, I hadn't really thought that much about it until about five minutes ago. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I mean, fr- yeah. from a business standpoint, I, I kind of get that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I still think it's super shitty though. Cause oh, like yeah. you said, that's, that's a shit load of work mm-hmm. by that that people did, and now, I guess if it were available somewhere else, you know, mm-hmm. like if you could buy it somewhere else, yeah, um, or like per like a dollar per episode kind of kind of thing, or mm-hmm. if it was, I don't know, um, they just sold it to another place. I think that'd be fine, but yeah, and you know, like residuals are super important in the industry because yeah. it's like there's a lot of Star, literally like starving artists well I don't oh, know, literally yeah. but you know what i mean like there's right. there's people who are financially struggling artists out there who are you know uh they, they're getting by on residuals yeah stuff oh absolutely yeah. oh yeah yeah it's just it's messy i don't i don't like it um, yeah that's kind yeah. of a um an unfortunate symptom of the technology i guess is that yeah it, that that kind of complicates that process i guess absolutely absolutely and I kind of wonder if part of it is just the people in positions to make these decisions. It's like, I I don't know, like five years ago, I would have said like, oh, it's just people like it's just the it's just the crappiness of the entertainment industry being an industry and being a business and not not being reflective of the art and everything. And like that is still true and everything. But also it's it is it is a new frontier like this is a streaming era the reason that i started like obsessiveviewer.com was because i was interested in netflix doing original programming because i could mm-hmm. see like the the culture shifting to a streaming kind of platform in ter- as opposed to network television or basic cable and programming and everything and i feel like this trend of pulling pulling shows that were created for the for the streaming platforms these are shows that are not put onto streaming platforms in as like in syndication or anything these are original programs that were created and broadcast or premiered on the streaming platform um i see that as maybe some people in high positions of power within like the different streaming services aren't wanting to embrace the fact that this is the way that the entertainment industry is now. Um, maybe that's reductive and, and off base, but I just kind of feel like that maybe has some kind of factor in, in, into it, but right. It's, it's lame. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So anyway, so that's weird. Um, so the final part, and then we can get into the actual reviews. Um, is kind of semi-related, but uh, it's a bummer because are, are you, do you have Xfinity? No, we have AT&T. AT&T, okay. So Xfinity yeah. has this perk that I wasn't aware of until like a couple of years ago where every Xfinity subscriber has a free Peacock Plus account. So you get access to Peacock and... Uh, you still have to watch like ads and stuff, but it like, it's, you know, you get access to Peacock. 
Um, that is no longer going to be the case. Um, so Peacock Plus is no longer going to be free for Xfinity subscribers, um, effective June 26th of this year. So happy birthday to me. Um, I'm going to lose Peacock. Um, <laughs> Damn. Yeah. But it's interesting because I find myself thinking like, maybe I could subscribe to it. I, and, and like, that's what they want. Um, so I don't know. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm not shelling out $10 a month to, to Paramount plus. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a fan of Peacock. They have, um, NBC has the, uh, TV contract for IndyCar. Oh, okay. Um, they actually cover IndyCar really well. Like it's kind of amazing because IndyCar is not a particularly lucrative, uh, oh, yeah. property unfortunately um hmm. uh which i hate to say because i'm such a big fan of it but uh mm-hmm. yeah like the um like the coverage that they have like they'll they'll cover the indy 500 like you can turn it on on a tuesday afternoon and you can stream like practice oh, from wow the indy 500 yeah oh, I, you, gotta, awesome. you gotta pay for it i think it's like mm-hmm. it's like 40 bucks or something like oh, it's kind dang. of expensive but as big a fan as i am like it's worth it to me you know yeah. what i mean um hmm. Uh, but then even even like the um, the regular subscription, like I can, I think they've, I think NBC has had the IndyCar coverage for like five or six years, and so mm-hmm. I can like go find the last like six Indy 500s and just watch them if I wanted oh, to. Um, wow! Yeah, that's pretty so, awesome. Nice. Yeah, totally. So wow. I, I'm a fan of Peacock for that reason. Mm-hmm. We we keep it year round. So maybe you nice. can you can use. I'll give you our login if you want. It. Oh, right on! I will keep that. I will definitely keep that in mind. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, I have a few months, so we'll see. Um. Okay. Yeah, and that is it for the news and everything. Do you want to go into our reviews for this evening, Tiny? Yes, sir. All right. Great. So we are first going to talk about Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, uh, which is the latest um mcu film it's the third ant-man movie um and so yeah so we're gonna as we usually do we're gonna do a non-spoiler and then a spoiler review i will play a clip from the trailer to break up the spoiler uh, break us into the spoiler section um but for now we're gonna go into non-spoilers for ant-man and the wasp quantumania uh, again this is in theaters um tomorrow Uh, The premise, according to IMDb, is Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, uh, explore the quantum realm where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Uh, The movie is directed by Peyton Reed, written by Jeff Loveness, stars uh, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Majors, making his uh debut as king the conqueror uh katherine newton michelle pfeiffer and michael douglas so tiny uh in broad terms how did you feel about ant-man and the wasp quantumania and how do you think it stacks up in the mcu and in the ant-man kind of sub franchise um so we were you and i were talking about it uh in the theater after we saw it and um i don't have a very vivid memory of uh, the Ant-Man movies for whatever mm. reason. Um, I remember the first one better, but the second one, like I, I cannot remember that movie at all, <laughs> um, which, which is terrible. Cause I know they were both, you know, either good or serviceable movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of feel bad about that. It's something I really need to revisit. Um, 
but so for this movie i was positive on it um i i thought it was pretty fun and i thought there was a ton of imagination in the movie um it it sort of made me think of uh doctor strange in the multiverse because of the imagination involved with creating multiple universes and <laughs> multiverses and all that stuff that's just a really challenging thing uh, creatively mm-hmm. and i think they achieved some success with this movie in that regard i was i was really into that um that part of the movie i feel like um it certainly wasn't a perfect movie though there was mm-hmm. there was some stuff that was kind of dropped some characters that weren't really developed hardly at all um and ultimately i was into the conflict and i liked the villain i thought jonathan majors was great um Mm -hmm. i really like him i haven't seen him in a lot but anytime i see him like i can't i can't take my eyes off him he's a very enigmatic person like he's just a very he just has a presence and i i I, i'm impressed by him so far good good Mm -hmm. great casting for for uh you know such a intense uh villain um and you know paul rudd uh, it's great to see him as a leading man and I, he's been fantastic as scott lang man he's he's delivered on that role every time he's suited up for it so mm-hmm. um yeah there was there was a lot of things to like about the movie but i think um i i don't know if this is going to be you know as we're moving into the next phase of the mcu if this is going to be almost forgotten as like an introductory thing and just not really remembered and and gone back to a lot by a lot of fans. I, I'm curious to see where it's going to fall uh, in, in this, whatever phase we're in five or nine or <laughs> 77. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see in the grand scheme of that phase where it's, where it's going to end up. Um, but for now, I think it was a, a good introduction to Kang the Conqueror and, uh, Again, just an imaginative movie, so I, I'm positive on it, and I I liked it, but there's there's some some issues creatively. Nice, um, you know, I agree. I I definitely agree with that. There are some issues and everything, um, and I I am absolutely in uh camp Jonathan Majors. Like he is a phenomenal actor, um, and I think his casting as King the Conqueror who he made an appearance in the final episode of Loki season one, spoiler alert, uh, but not necessarily as Kang. He was a variant. He was um, uh, he who remains. And that was kind of the soft introduction of, of Kang into the Marvel cinematic universe, which is appropriate, but this is his big like coming out party. And I think that his performance is phenomenal. His performance is very, very, very good. Um, but I think that the movie doesn't quite gel that well with everything else going on. And it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like the MCU is kind of spinning its wheels a little bit. Um, I've been pretty soft on phases, phase four, um, and everything post end game. Like there's been some really good stuff, some really enjoyable things, some really great things even i've loved spider-man no way home i really enjoyed multiverse of madness i really liked loki and wandavision and some other stuff i've seen but like for all of that we have like eternals was just 
completely forgettable. And we have um, Thor Love and Thunder, which I thought was a mess, a narrative mess, uh, the farther I get away from it. And so so going into Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, it kind of feels like I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I wanted this to be like, okay, this is the official start for the multiverse saga. This is really where it's going to get cooking. This is where it's really going to get, going to get the ball rolling and everything. Kang is the main villain of this movie. So he is going to be like, this is going to be his big moment in, in the Marvel cinematic universe. And at the end of the day, it's kind of a mixed bag. He is, he is a very formidable foe. This is a great, a very strong introduction for that character who is like the, he is the Thanos of the multiverse saga. Like he's that level of villain. Um, the Avengers movie that is going to cap off the saga. The first one is Avengers, the King dynasty. So like Kang has a big, big part to play in, in the, in the next two phases of the MCU. So there's a lot weighing on the movie, but I think that without Jonathan Majors, this movie is not really that good for me. Um, Paul Rudd is charismatic and, and, and fun as he always is, but I feel like the script really does a disservice to, to him, to Hope, to um, Janet to Hank and to Cassie like that, like the Ant-Man family I felt was overall underserved throughout the movie. And it felt like they were just bystanders, uh, like in, like I made the joke in the Patreon recording I did, but, um, like it was just like, this is King's movie. The Ant-Man family is just living in it. Um, but it's, it's just, it, it felt so scattered and so, kind of lifeless like the the movie introduces some conflict between uh between scott lang and like him struggling to keep his family afloat and struggling to get the get the um uh get the i guess the approval of his daughter or or to to repair uh i guess not even repair really but just trying to trying to have a good relationship with his daughter post the blip and like that's all good stuff, but this is all just completely secondary. Um, so I don't know. I'll talk more about that in spoilers and everything. But um, my kind of big takeaway, and I did write a review on obsessiveviewer.com. Check it out. I'll put in show notes in the show notes in the link. Um, but uh, but the kind of my big takeaway from it is that this movie is an interesting, like it's two. It's a little over two hours long, which is relatively short for an MCU movie, but it feels like it is just very much divided into two sections. It is the quantum realm building up that and then Kang and that conflict in the second half. And I don't know, it just felt very sloggy in that first half. So I don't know. We'll talk more about that, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. How did you feel about, uh, the Ant-Man family? Um, storyline and everything i feel like your assessment's pretty fair um especially when it comes to um i feel like the whole onus of the movie where um you know it's no secret they end up in the quantum realm right um 
Right. The the whole onus of the conflict was so they kept pushing it back and like and like saying like okay what what is the source of this what how why is what what's going on here like it it just it took a long time to get there I feel like yeah it was like partway through the second act we finally get like okay this is why these characters are at odds this is why. Um, there's all this conflict here, mm-hmm. but they just danced around it with all these like kind of one-off lines or unresolved lines for like 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, Why are you afraid like, of the quantum realm? Well, I can't tell you what is down there. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, that. this is just goofy. I, I don't know why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, um, the two characters, uh, Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne, mm-hmm. were like, "Is like, why were they even in the movie? Like, yeah. they Hope they don't have a lot of Evangeline Lilly's character, or yes. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, okay, I agree. Yeah, yeah, Hope Van Dyne. Yeah, Janet, Janet. I mean, she she was pretty integral, and she yeah. had a lot to do in the movie, and they developed her and everything. Mm-hmm. But Hank Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne, like I. Uh, the, like especially hope like evangeline lily has to be pissed because like she's had <laughs> nothing to do for like since the second ant-man movie like i because yeah. like in the avengers um she got snapped right she got snapped away <laughs> right. right didn't she uh or, yeah yeah and then yeah there she got the, she got snapped yeah right. in the in the big portal scene there is the like when they had the kind of the kind of um a little i the pandering kind of like like yeah the yeah. women of the mcu uh scene team up yeah and it's like wait yeah. but why is she like nodding at this other character who she's never met before <laughs> like that's right they're not they're that's not a thing it's just like okay fine cool <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah so she just i mean in in game she just kind of shows up at the end which i mean mm-hmm. a lot of characters did yeah um it's not necessarily a problem but it's like Okay, now there's a Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. Mm-hmm. And like I she has like a little bit of meat to chew on in this role, but mostly yeah. she is just reacting reacting to other characters or so just supporting other characters with like yeah. question lines like, "Oh, what do we want to do that? What's next? Where are we going now?" Like it's like I I was so shocked at how she had very little to do in this movie. And Hank Pym I mean, he he's integral in, in parts of the movie, but like for the most part, for like I have a two-hour movie for over an hour and a half, hour forty-five, he's just kind of there. I mean, yeah. it's and that is such a shame. Like mm-hmm. I, it, maybe again, like you said, the movie for an MCU movie is a little short, actually, mm-hmm. at about two hours. Maybe if they had made it, you know, two twenty, two twenty-five, two thirty, there would have been more meat for those characters, but. That that to me that was the most shocking part. Yes, yeah. it's 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 just it's just odd how they're doing that. I think they gave a lot of development to Janet Van Dyne, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Cassie. She got mm. she changed a lot, which was good. I think Catherine Newton did a good job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, th- th- there was some there was some character development, but I, it's just it's just weird what they did with Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne. To me, I was. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely agree with with 
all of that. Plus, I kind of feel like Catherine Newton, as much as I, I did enjoy her and I, I did enjoy the evolution of Cassie in the movie, I feel like I feel like there was just not a lot for her to do, even with her being such a pivotal character. Like, I feel like the the performance was marred by what is perhaps my biggest issue with uh, this movie and past MCU movies, uh, and most notably... Uh, Thor Love and Thunder was a big one one for me with this regard but um, the idea of the volume uh, like stagecraft technology it's from ILM basically it is a uh, what I understand is it's a it's a panoramic green screen of green green screen uh, green screen effect so it's basically they can create a three like f- like 360 degree cgi world so when what they've done is like i mean yeah it's it's prominent in avengers endgame with the portal scene and everything but like in thor love and thunder it just looks god awful in some parts for me like there's a whole section where they meet zeus or whoever like i think it was zeus that that just felt like okay this is a sound stage this is a three 360 degree green screen soundstage and what i feel is that to do that for ant-man and the wasp quantumania uh by making the entire movie take place in the quantum realm which i had issues with that as well but like there were numerous times where i felt like the green screen effect the like the close anytime there's a close-up and this goes across the board with this like volume thing um the stagecraft technology that they use anytime that there is a close-up with people uh like in in the frame the background looks terrible it looks absolutely like the coloration the the lighting effects on the faces of the actors looks completely off and it takes me out of the movie and it happens way too frequently um throughout the movie so i don't know like that kind of creates this diminishing returns for me with uh going into um going into different um uh mcu movies and everything it's just i don't know it bothers me on that front but anyway um yeah did you did you notice any of that does that does that um impact your enjoyment of it at all uh yeah it's funny um because Ben uh, mentioned the same mm-hmm. thing, like how you guys are both bothered with the uh, the CGI and everything. And it, it's funny because it does not, I, I don't notice it at all. Okay. Um, and it's not like, I'm not saying your opinion, like I'm not saying that's right. invalid. I just, it just does not jump out to me at all. I, I'm so, nice. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I, I haven't, in Thor, Love and Thunder, I didn't notice it either. Mm-hmm. Or um, Multiverse of Madness. Um, I know, Ben had mentioned it in those two movies, but I, I think they look fine. It doesn't, for whatever reason, I don't pick up on that. I don't know if I'm just not perceiving it or what. Well, with multiverse of madness, it's a little bit better because even though that is a lot of different like world building and or world jumping and, and different realities and everything, it's still in some places has like a grounding in like reality, like street, like him going down the street and finding the Illuminati, like statue or whatever or the or the statue of 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 himself 
um like that's based in like reality like with ant-man and the wasp it's just the entire movie takes place in the quantum realm and when you have the entire movie take place in the taking place in this fantasy thing in this fantasy realm or this this different uh different area i kind of feel like the the cgi needs to be needs to be just perfect and it Mm. wasn't for me but um okay yeah but even with the visuals aside i think that it's a mistake to have ant-man just take place completely in the quantum realm because part of the charm of ant-man is the and in the imagination of ant-man is like using his surroundings and going like like going big or going small and everything and using his surroundings and everything to 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 kind of just do all of this crazy crazy stuff um and i feel like there is a lot a lot lost in that when it's just all in this fantasy reality place that just i don't know i have also have issues with that i can rant about it in a minute but uh but yeah did you did you feel it missing any did you feel that you were missing ant-man kind of in you know people world <laughs> um you know i don't i don't think so necessarily i okay. i was pretty um i was pretty impressed with the quantum realm i guess okay. this is the first time we've ever spent at least that i can remember that we've ever spent right. any significant amount of time in the quantum realm um i again that's that's where the imagination came in for me i was like very impressed with all of these interesting looking alien creatures basically um and just the way the world looked and uh you know there's some politics there um there's not just a culture there's dozens of cultures of these different species sentient species and all that stuff and um I thought that was all pretty creative and, and I was entertained by that for sure. Um, so that, that didn't, that didn't bother me. Um, I did find, um, uh, at the beginning where he's kind of, um, sort of a man on the street walking and you're kind of like in his conscious and there's like a voiceover where he's kind of talking about like, Hey, I'm Scott Lang. Welcome back to whatever. And he's just talking about everything. I thought that was, that was funny enjoyable yeah. um uh but i didn't necessarily feel like the movie needed more of that i guess um one one part that i was it, in in the moment i didn't think much about it and it didn't bother me but looking back i think some of the actual like um combat if you will in mm-hmm. this movie is sort of um sort of lacking especially in comparison to um infinity war and Endgame mm-hmm. and uh and even even um you know no way home and uh multiverse of madness um i felt like it was just sort of unimagined unimaginative in mm-hmm. that regard um like you know in in uh infinity war there's the whole battle on titan between yeah uh you know all the um the guardians of the galaxy tony stark um spider-man and uh um dr strange all Mm -hmm. fighting um thanos and like the way they team up and the creativity of that actual fighting like not just the choreography but the way they work together and the way that thanos uses his powers against them is just it's amazing and that's just one example 
um, across several movies. Um, same thing with, you know, um, uh, Doctor Strange getting into it with any number of other powerful beings in Multiverse Madness. It's, it's creative. It's interesting. It's shot really well. But I, I feel like that was sort of missing in this movie. Like, like there's some there's some cool parts and some fun parts where he's either incredibly tiny or really big mm-hmm. um, that are entertaining. Um, but they've been done before. They're not really new. Like we've seen him do both of those things, and he's. It's just not like there, there's a part where obviously there's kind of like you know a big. Uh, 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 the major conflict at the end, there's a boss fight, if you will, between mm-hmm. him and Kang. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty basic fist fight. Like there's not <laughs> really, and like, I don't, I'm not against that. You know, if I'm, I've been watching like a martial arts movie, obviously that makes sense. But I just feel like in a, in the quantum realm between Ant-Man and Kang the Conqueror, like they're they're just fight like they're just having a fist fight like <laughs> it was just kind it was just kind of weird and like I feel like there was a lot of that um mm-hmm. also the wasp she I mean she doesn't really do a lot it doesn't do anything new right for, for for sure um there's a couple new things fighting wise I don't want we'll talk about it in spoilers mm-hmm. but um I don't know I feel like that's all like super super forgettable um and again, not, nothing new, nothing, no, no cool new thing that he does. Tony Stark did something. Iron Man did something new every single time you saw him. Like he had mm. some new, like new stabilizer, new weapon, new suits, new. Th- and it was just amazing. And he did. He, you know, Stark Industries passed so much of that technology on to new, the other characters like Spider Man and uh, Captain America, and all these characters would get new shit all the time. And it was so fun to watch how it would evolve. The combat would evolve. And there's like basically none of that in this movie. <laughs> and I understand Tony Stark is gone, but I don't know. But Hank Pym is basically old school, poor man's Tony Stark, if you will. Um, <laughs> right. Maybe not even a poor man's Tony Stark because he has mm-hmm. Pym particles, which is uh, amazing. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of rambling here, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was just a little disappointed from that aspect. Um. Yeah. 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 Uh, I. We'll talk about the kind of fist fight aspect of it in in spoilers because I think in in the grand scheme of things I enjoyed that, but I do agree that there is a there is there is not a lot of innovation or imagination with the combat in this movie, and part of that is I'm I'm going to kind of dovetail into my one of one of my big criticisms about the quantum realm itself and everything is that it. It also didn't didn't grab my attention uh, like any of the factions in the quantum realm. Like that whole like lore that takes up the first hour of the movie where we're supposed to care about these creatures and these these different like their history and everything. I'm just and this is going to come this is going to come across as incredibly cynical, but here's what I thought it was. This is, and this is what I told the told, like, this is what I said in my review. This is what I, what I said after the movie. It felt like the, it felt like the quantum realm in this movie was the first hour of the movie is Marvel doing star Wars cosplay. It feels like the, the world building, like the different, like the ecosystem of the quantum realm feels like it's just a copy and paste of whatever Star Wars weird, weird planet place 
setting it it feels like it could have been used in a star wars movie or show uh or in this it felt like there was nothing very imaginative about it It just felt like this is an aesthetic that we're going for we're going to create some kind of cute characters too and we're going to give this one character like a kind of badass persona and everything but i like i couldn't i couldn't follow or i didn't care to follow their whole plight their fight against uh kang i don't i it was like information overload and the cynic in me and i don't like this is probably not the case but because i didn't care enough in that first half about the quantum realm and the issues within the quantum realm I found myself just assuming that, like, this is what I just assumed, uh, and I put this on my letterbox blur, but um, <laughs> I just assumed that Marvel was thinking that, okay, well, Guardians of the Galaxy is about to conclude its trilogy with Volume 3, and James Gunn is heading over to DC, he's going to head up the DCU, so why don't we go ahead and just make Ant-Man the new, like, Star Wars riff aesthetic of the mcu since we're losing guardians of the galaxy let's make let's make the quantum realm the cute star wars kind of vibe uh so that we can get the so we can get uh, like we can reach a certain demographic if you will or whatever and it just felt really just uninspired to me um like when when it gets to a point where like the people who have been subjugated by by Kang throughout however much time when they have like a pivotal moment i'm like okay fine i don't really care honestly it's just it's fine these these this whole like scenario is just background noise for a weak ant-man plot and a pretty interesting introduction to Kang the Conqueror um and I feel like that's my biggest issue with the movie really is, is just the kind of inconsistent, uh, inconsistent storytelling and world building, um, across the board really. So, yeah. 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 That's fair. And it's, it's funny you and you and Ben both mm-hmm. mentioned, uh, like the star Wars kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I didn't really, I didn't make that connection. But <laughs> once, once you guys both said it, I was like, oh, yeah, was, that was pretty Star Wars. Yeah, that actually makes, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I, I get it. Um, and I, I agree with you on the whole. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. The it was a two-hour movie, mm. and we talked about how normally it would be a little bit longer. And having levied the criticisms that we've talked about so far i think a lot of it could have been better fleshed out with the longer runtime like because yeah. a, a lot of stuff felt kind of rushed like you were saying like the whole um plight of the creatures of mm. uh the quantum realm and their cultures and their societies was pretty glossed over for the most part yeah. and could have been you know with maybe a longer runtime and some more time to flesh stuff out um we we could have had we could have had that and that could have been much more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily in favor of making movies longer just to make them longer, but if it's going right. to make them better then do it. Right. I, I, you know, I don't know. That's, that's my opinion, but, uh, but yeah, it's interesting you said that cause I hadn't really thought about it. You know, the, uh, the whole kind of, I, I was in, like I said, I was, I was overall impressed with the representation of the quantum realm. But now that you said that, I think, 
they totally could have spent some more time developing that stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's kind of a shame. I will say that at least in, in my estimation, at least it felt reasonably cohesive in so far as half the movie is, is one thing. The other half is another thing. Like half the movie is built up toward the second half, which is kind of how storytelling works. But also it's like the first half is developing the quantum realm. The second half is Kang the Conqueror hour. Um, but at least it has that level of cohesion and it's not like Thor Love and Thunder, which felt like it was hacked to pieces. So this at least feels like it has some kind of cohesive uh, narrative at play, but it doesn't feel like it's an organically told story. And I believe that the writer, uh, Jeff Loveness, is supposed to be helming, or not helming, but supposed to be writing um, uh, the Kang Dynasty, I think. Let me double check, because... If that's the case, holy crap, I I don't know about that. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, he is he's writing the King Dynasty. Is he? Yep. Yeah, I I don't like that. Um <laughs> I don't like that at all. Um Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. But King was cool in this movie, so that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you want to go into spoilers? Because I want to talk about Modoc, but I don't want to give too much away in non-spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, we are going to go into spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for that. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. If you don't want to, if if you're if you're um, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want to listen to the spoiler review, check the show notes for timestamps to jump ahead to the next segment. And if you want to hear more about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and non-spoilers, uh, you can read my review on ObsessiveViewer.com or you can join Patreon where $2 and above patrons have access to my uh, reaction recording. I spent like 34 minutes on the drive home from work uh, talking about my feelings in uh, a little bit more clear way than I'm stumbling through tonight. So uh, keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and go into spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I'm going to clip... I'm going to play a clip from the trailer now. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time, like me. We can help each other with that. Who are you? I'm the man who can give you the one thing you want. What's that? Time. I can rewrite existence. So, spoilers on for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, Tiny, let, let's talk a little bit about MODOK and then we can kind of fill in the, fill in the spoilery blanks with, with the rest of the movie. Um, I, like, I am only aware of MODOK as a concept from, like, I, like, the only thing I was aware of, of him was the, an animated show on Hulu 
with Patton Oswalt. And I never watched it. I just saw like the cover art for it. So I was familiar with the design. I had no idea that Corey Stahl was um, returning. And that he would like, they had put him into that, uh, that character. Um, how did you feel about Modoc in, in this movie? And uh, what was your impression of him? Uh, I, I thought it was really funny. I, I appreciated the hell out of it. Um, I didn't know that either. I wasn't expecting that. Um, I thought it was a really great idea. Um, tons of comic relief from that character. Uh, yeah. really great. Um, I think they totally ran with the, I've, I've seen like some of the artists, uh, or like some of the artwork of Modoc from the comics and it's pretty dumb. Like it's, it should <laughs> yeah. be should be comedic because it's pretty dumb <laughs> like right. um I, I feel like they managed to make it both make modok both menacing and funny at the same time which is mm-hmm. difficult to achieve I feel, I feel like the character of modok in this movie is one of the biggest successes of the movie um it ended up it's it's going to be one of the more memorable parts of the movie, I think. Um, I, I was on board, and I think they did a good job. Nice. I <laughs> uh, I did, too. I, th- I had a lot of fun with MODOK, um, especially as a kind of counterbalance to Kang, who is a formidable and, and kind of hefty villain in, in the role, of course. But uh, MODOK, I felt like, was... <laughs> Uh, there, the comic relief worked, even though in the grand scheme of things, I do feel like it's a little anachronistic with the tone of the rest of the movie a little bit. But even with that minor nitpick, I think that uh, he was a lot of fun, very, uh, very fun to watch anytime he was on on screen. And I like, I will say his death scene like that that got a huge laugh out of me. Like I just. <laughs> I, yeah. the whole back and forth of him, uh, saying like, what was like saying like you were like a brother to me? It's like, what? Yeah. No. Um, he's like, at least I died an Avenger. And he's like, yeah, sure. You, you made it. Like, I don't, that, like if, if the comedy in the movie, if, if the energy of the movie was that way throughout it, I would have had much, much more, much more fun with this movie than I did. But like, at least that one segment was just like that, that worked like gangbusters for me. Um, yeah. Those, those moments were few and far between. Unfortunately, I think this, I don't know if this is the least funny Ant-Man movie so far. Mm. I, again, cause I don't remember the other ones that well, but, um, I feel like there should have been a lot more. And, Mm -hmm. um, God, I mean, can you imagine if uh, Edgar Wright had been able to do all three of these movies? I mean, yeah, I, I can't even imagine how different slash good they would be. And I feel like mm-hmm. he would he would have collaborated really well with the Russo brothers. Like, yeah, that would have been interesting. Huh. Right. I mean, I feel like any characters he would have created, the the Russo brothers could have ran with fantastically so absolutely um bit of a missed opportunity there but anyways Mm -hmm. um yeah like that part was really funny and then the whole the whole veb character um that was very cute uh, yeah voiced by david dastmalchian Mm -hmm. uh yeah he that was funny as hell like the part where uh 
Ant Man was like, "Is that building alive?" And he's like, "Are yours dead? <laughs> Are yours dead?" That was good. And um, uh, it just a lot of his yeah. other lines about holes and yeah. stuff was just. Like, I have holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that was really that was, good. Yeah, yeah, just like a random ass character. You just try him, Veb. You just drank me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but but all of those like freedom fighter characters like that just like I don't know anything about the the main character yeah like i I was got nothing yeah i was looking at uh that actress um uh the character's name gentora apparently which i didn't didn't remember um (laughs) hell i would watch a movie about her she was badass oh yeah uh turns out that actor is from indianapolis oh really um yeah katie m o'brien i had never seen her in anything but uh wow awesome yeah, she's she's a Hoosier. Nice. Yeah. So, Poor but thing. yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it'd be great to see. You know, again, that stuff should have been more fleshed out. Yeah. Should have been more. Yeah. More. Com- there are a lot more opportunities for comedy. Like the whole. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole the the part was like really situationally funny, where the uh, Scott and Cassie were being like kidnapped, and they were like being brought to like the crazy like tribal looking people who were going to sacrifice some whole thing. Yeah. And then, and then it just ended up being, they wanted them to drink this stuff so that they could understand each other. Like, right. That was, that was really smart and that was funny. And I liked that. And again, that stuff was just too few and far between, especially for an Ant-Man movie. Um, yeah. It's, <clears throat> when they, when they hit that mark, they hit it really well, but yeah. I just I feel like there should have been at least a couple more scenes that were way more memorable from a comedic standpoint. Yeah, and I feel like the issue with that is that this movie is doing double duty. It's trying to be an Ant-Man movie and it's trying to be the introduction of the big bad of the multiverse saga. And I don't yeah. think there's an organic way to marry those two ideas. And that I think is the biggest issue facing the movie. Um but also as much as I like Jonathan Majors, as much as I like Kang's introduction in this movie, as much as I like Kang as a concept in the MCU and in this movie, I wasn't over like I wasn't I wasn't blown away by him as a as a character. And I think that that's because the the rest of the movie didn't really work all that well for me. So I think that that dampened my appreciation for Kang as you know, as this being an introduction to a big bad villain. Um, but it kind of felt like, I, I think, and and this is going to, I'm going to struggle through this, I'm sure, but I feel like they're, so this felt less like, to okay, to use, the, to use um, previous MCU nomenclature and everything from the Infinity Saga. Um, what they are doing now with Kang is kind of an in, maybe not inverse, but basically with the infinity saga, we saw bits and pieces of, of uh, Thanos leading up to infinity war, which was like his big introduction, his, that was his movie. Um, and along the way, we got introductions of different villains. We got different villains playing like kind of being pawns in, the grand scheme of things and everything. And that worked well for the infinity saga. What this feels like 
this feels like it's an attempt to bring out the bring out Kang early, relatively early, and have him wreak havoc throughout the rest of the of the saga. And that's fine. Maybe not wreak too much havoc, but like I can see it being building up to that. But by the end of the movie, I felt like this isn't like this is less like um, Kang's Infinity War version of an introduction, and it's more of a Loki's introduction and Thor introduction. I don't know if that makes any sense. Basically, it feels like it feels like it's the introduction of a pawn. And maybe it is with all the variants and everything, but it just felt like this should have been a bigger, more monumental um, Kang introduction for me. Um, And it faltered a little bit there. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. And I don't know that they'll ever be able to recreate the um the presence of mm. a Thanos. Like I I just don't know if that's doable. Yeah. Um but I I feel like and again I don't know the background of the Kang character. I don't I don't know the whole dynasty storyline. I don't no, that's me not either. something I'm familiar with really. But um I, I feel like they're you know they I think I think I'm very I'm very my interest is very peaked in regards mm. to Kang and, and, and like where this is going. But I, I agree. I feel like, I feel like this wasn't, it wasn't as subtle and gradual as, as mm. an introduction, like what they did with Thanos. Um, although I do feel like with Thanos, they drew, they drug it out too long. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he first showed up in the first Avengers movie maybe. And yeah. then, it it took like five six years before we really got like a full scene with, or like a true appearance, I guess, mm-hmm. of Thanos. Um, so, but but again, this feels like kind of the opposite, you know, where it's like a little bit a little bit too much too early, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that's sort of similar to what you were trying to say. I I think I think you're, I think you're spot on there. I think they could have handled this a little more delicately. Yeah, and I and I feel like I'm gonna probably eat my words um, down the line because the kind of the the kind of caveat that I have with this is that yes, that it is in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't feel like the big monumental like big bad introduction or anything, but also by design, it's technically not really the case either because he is a variant and like he was he was. Um, he was, uh, banished to the quantum realm by like the committee of Kangs or whatever, the Kang, like the, the Kang club. And we see that in, in the mid credits stinger that they are all like freaking insane. And like his mm-hmm. whole, his whole idea is that he was banished um, because he needs to, I guess he needs to stop all the variants of Kang from, you know, destroying all existence or what? I don't know. It's, that's another thing. It was very vague. Like it was not that well, um, brought out and it just felt like a tease. So I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I disagree with you, but I think mm-hmm. maybe it, as, as far as the movie goes, that was a little vague but I feel like the the uh, stinger, the mid credit stinger specifically mm-hmm. was um, was pretty 
compelling and like, okay, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on here. That's obviously these are the people who banished him and they're up, they're going to be up to no good. Like this is the mm-hmm. future of the conflict of this, of the next phase. Like, I think that was pretty, pretty clearly laid out in that, that regard. So, yeah. And, and I was a little lukewarm on the kind of just depiction of like pure insanity, across, like all the Kings, which is fine. Yeah, that was a little, it was a little much, yeah. Yeah, it just it felt it felt it felt weirdly like it felt comical, really, and not not yeah very threatening. And and it is threatening, but it's not. It just felt more like a comedic thing, which felt wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny because you mentioned uh, Jeff Loveness, the the mm. writer, was involved in this, and he's. Uh, gonna write the uh, the Kang Dynasty movie. Um, he wrote several episodes. I was just looking. He wrote several episodes of Rick and Morty. And, oh, uh, did he really? That whole uh, I just I just want to call it the Council the Council of Kangs because yeah. it made me think of the Council of Ricks from Rick and Morty. That's right. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, this is kind of uh, this is a little a little derivative there. Yeah. Um, I don't oh, even know if he was involved in those episodes of Rick and mm-hmm. Morty. I don't. I don't know, but that's what it made me think of wow. immediately. So yeah, which I, I liked that in Rick that and Morty. I thought sure. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought the I thought that was funny in Rick and Morty, and I liked it and mm-hmm. everything. But I don't know if it's going to have the same effect in the MCU. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh. Really quickly, like this is this is completely off topic and everything well not completely off topic but um are you aware that in september there is going to be uh an actual physical release of uh, look out for the little guy by scott lang (laughs) oh really (laughs) yeah uh, yeah (laughs) they they, like they're releasing like the actual like memoir uh and and yeah i'm like i'm Like throughout the whole day before the screening and everything, I was like, I kept thinking, like I kept saying the title in my head, like "Look out for the little guy." Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited to read that, um, <laughs> and I really hope yeah. that Paul Rudd does the audiobook for it, and I hope there is an audiobook for it. Um, but yeah, but anyway, that comes out in September. Um, yeah, the the other thing I kind of want to touch on, and then we can kind of wind down if there's anything uh, unless there's anything else we needed to cover but um ultimately this section is pretty forgettable but bill murray fine yeah it's a little weird with the kind of uh the um the improprieties that have been levied against him like i don't i don't know if it's necessarily sexual assault but like the the things that came out um recently about about him that felt very kind of weird for them to keep that in the movie <laughs> uh yeah. or not cut around it in light of that but um also it 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 just it felt like it was a forced forced comedic bit contingent on the backstory that we are, we and Hank and the rest of the like family are learning about Janet's time in the quantum realm. And it's played off like a joke, but it's also like, 
Yeah, well, we want to know more. Like, like I would like to know more. I would like for Michelle Pfeiffer to have a line other than, oh, I can't tell you, or, oh, I can't, like, some, like, ambiguous yeah. line until the midpoint of the movie. But it just felt, like, very... It felt, like, again, it felt like... It felt like them trying to imitate the kind of comedy and the the aesthetic overall aesthetic of like Guardians of the Galaxy and and kind of a Star Wars kind of aesthetic and everything and it just it feels it just feels so weird since we have two Ant-Man movies that frankly I I don't remember much about them either but they have a very specific feel to them like the first Ant-Man movie is a fun ground level like heist adventure movie um, with some very cool imaginative action sequences. And some of that is replicated from my memory in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Here, this just feels like, okay, well, we did two Ant-Man movies. He popped up in, you know, Civil War and Endgame. So let's go ahead and Guardians of the Galaxy him up a little bit. And let's make him, let's let's put him in this Star Wars sort of uh, world and call it a day and it just feels it just doesn't work it doesn't work yeah yeah um i i agree it was pretty sloppy yeah mm. yeah oh oh the the fist fight um let's talk about the the climax of the movie uh the various deus ex machinas uh the <laughs> like i love the concept of the ants going into a deeper level and then being having like a time dilation aspect where they live thousands and thousands of years and they're able yeah. to evolve and and like be be of assistance and everything i love that as a concept i don't like that it's just a throwaway thing to save the day at the end of the movie and to give hank something yeah. to do um but the actual conflict the fight with kang like the the trying to stop him from leaving the quantum realm that's all fine and good that's all fun that's all exciting uh enough but the fist fight i was really into it i love i really liked the brutality of it there was a moment and i knew that there was there was no way in hell, hell that this was going to happen but there was a moment where i thought what if what if they actually kill scott lang like what if they what if kang just kills him and that's how they end this movie with Scott Lang dead at the hand of Kang. And like, that's the introduction of Kang to the MCU. That's like mm. us like seeing like, Oh yeah, he just killed an Avenger. Um, okay, cool. Um, I knew that they wouldn't do that, but I thought like that would be pretty cool. Um, what they did was fine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll, uh, at the end of like when uh when uh hope comes in and and uh joins him and everything and comes back like there's that moment where they're talking and they're like yeah i love you and everything and i'm like oh yeah they're a romantic couple okay i forgot <laughs> right. like i right. like yeah i don't know but anyway how did you feel about all that yeah i i guess I, I guess the fist fight was pretty good. Like it, it was um, surprisingly grounded for, um, you know, a franchise that's so 
so well known for literal superpowers Mm -hmm. and you know infinity stones and literal like gods nordic gods who can do amazing things it's kind of i guess a little bit refreshing to see an actual fist fight that's just like a pure fist fight yeah um that's kind of cool and i don't know if you saw this but like in an interview um uh paul rudd was talking about how they basically had to like tone that down oh because they were like on the cusp of losing a pg rating or whatever (laughs) um because it's i mean it's it's kind of bloody like yeah he gets the shit kicked out of him so yeah um yeah like that was i thought that was kind of interesting um Mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean and and when it comes to the whole ant thing yeah like i thought that was cool like the whole the ants are getting smart and they're actually developing their own tech and everything like that's that's cool but man was it ever tacked on oh my god super quick yeah i mean it's really i mean it's sort of teased a little early on in the movie in Mm -hmm. the first act um but then it just kind of shows up at the end and it's very convenient that they help defeat Kang. i don't know i just yeah i I would have liked to see that more fleshed out um same here and like and hank has that throwaway line that's like He's like excited about it because he's a scientist and he's just like, oh, yeah, this can teach us so much about like this changes everything about what we know about life and about evolution, everything. Oh, okay, well, wait, never mind. Let's go ahead and fight the bad guy. Like this (laughs) feels like, okay, but um, but that and then also I kind of had to laugh at the complete sloppiness of this. But when. When the portal closes and everything and Scott is fighting Kang and and he like has that big moment, like the big finishing move where he sends him like throws the pin particles at him or whatever he does. I don't like where Kang is in the little machine and he is destroyed or whatever. Um then then like I'm sitting there like like and then it cuts back to the real world and you see Cassie and everyone like looking like, oh, my God, where's where's Scott? Where is he? And then like, oh, yeah, OK, well, they have this little they have the little satellite thing. They can just open it up and get right to him and everything. And Hope can show yeah. up. And I'm just like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, really? Right. Like, yeah. Oh, it just it felt so like you said with the ants tacked on and very I don't know. It just didn't work for me, but very convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. so I feel like we're, we're, uh, a, li- a little bit talked out on this, for now, but, yeah. uh, what did you think of the, the final stinger, the, the post credit scene with, uh, Loki and Owen Wilson in old timey time seeing King? what did you make of that? Um, yeah, not much, frankly, like I, I thought it was cool and everything, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I don't remember. This is bad. I don't remember Kang or his variant from Loki. Like I don't. Oh. I know he showed up, but I I need to watch Loki again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I it's it's interesting that he's going to be involving the, um, presumably be involving the uh, the Ministry of Time or whatever the hell they were called. Yeah, uh, I don't remember. Um, yeah, Owen Owen Wilson's organization. Mm-hmm. Um. You know th- that's interesting, and I'm curious to see where that leads. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I was much more interested in the whole uh, 
Council of Kang thing. I thought that was a little more, a little more fun. Okay, the Council of Kang was more fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, for me, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Um, hopefully that means that we get Jonathan Majors more in in Loki season two. Um, I presume that that was supposed to be the the version of Kang that we had been with this whole this whole movie so um it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if he's like the sanest version of kane kang if he's going to be the one that's has to really stop everyone i don't know there's so many different ways that this can go um the other thing i just remembered the other thing that i thought was actually really cool and event and inventive and interesting if brief was the probability storm when he's trying to get the core and all the different versions of, of Ant-Man just are, are there um, and populating. I thought that was a really cool, interesting effect, but yeah. Yeah. That was really creative. Yeah. So, yep. Okay. Um, I think we're about done with talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, What did you end up ranking this or uh, rating this movie? um, Tiny. Uh, I ended up giving it three stars. Um, I again had a good time with it. I was really entertained, but especially having talked it out with you, I think there's there's some glaring issues with the movie. Um, but my my interest is pretty well peaked with Kane the Conqueror. I think that was mostly a success. Uh, if if that was the major um, major driving force of the movie was to introduce Kang, um, I think they succeeded on that front. So um, yeah, def- definitely. I don't know how overall memorable the movie will be, but mm-hmm. uh, it was it was definitely entertaining for two hours. I'll say that. Nice. Um, I have a complicated rating for this. Like, I I came out of the theater thinking like, okay, three, maybe three and a half stars, just because Kang was really cool and I liked the stuff they did with Modok and there was some good stuff amidst the the issues. But after like spending thirty four minutes talking about it to myself for Patreon, uh, that dropped down to like three stars. And then when I wrote my review today or last night, I was like, this is a two and a half star movie. <laughs> like that's just <laughs> where I kind of landed on it. Maybe on subsequent review rewatches of it, maybe that'll grow. But like for now, I just two and a half stars. Cause it, there was some just issues that I couldn't reconcile in this first viewing. So, um, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to wind down with a probably brief review of somebody I used to know, which is on Amazon Prime. Uh, So we'll do a brief non-spoiler and spoiler section. Uh, The premise, according to IMDb, for somebody I used to know, which again is streaming on Amazon Prime, is... Uh, on a trip to her hometown, workaholic Allie reminisces with her ex, Sean, and starts to question everything about the person she's become. Things only get more confusing when she meets Cassidy, who reminds her of the person she used to be. This movie was directed by Dave Franco, written by Alison Brie and Dave Franco, and stars Alison Brie, Jay Ellis, Kiersey Clemens, uh, Danny Pudi, and Haley Joel Osment. Um, so, uh, tiny... I, uh, how did, how did you feel about this movie overall, um, in, in non-spoilers? Um, I ended up liking this one. I thought, uh, you know, rom-coms are, um, so formulaic and 
I feel like all of them think they're different or like they want to try to be different or Mm. stand out from the competition, I guess. And a lot of them fail, but I, I feel like this one kind of succeeded. I feel like this is a relatively, um, uh, at least decently unique movie, um, Mm. in within that subgenre. Um, I, I feel like it was a success in that regard. Um, it, it has its issues. Um, I, I think for a couple of relatively new writers in Dave Franco and Allison Brie, I feel like it's pretty good. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of surprising. This is, I'm sure they've both written stuff before, but this is mm-hmm. one of the, you know, they wrote, wrote this together and this is a, a feature length movie and everything. Um, I, I feel like writing wise, that was, it's pretty impressive in that regard. Um, is this Dave Franco's first directing gig? No, he has directed, I don't know how many movies he's directed, but I do know that he directed a couple of years ago, the movie, the rental, uh, which Mike and I actually reviewed in, uh, like episode like three eighty or three sixty something. I don't know. Um, like three sixty two, okay. but, um, but yeah, he, okay. and he had also co-wrote that, that script. So the rental, uh, which is a thriller okay. that is, is, very different from this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, e- either way, um, I-, I was impressed, you know, in-, in that regard, I feel like this, the writing was, was relatively good for this. Um, there, there are issues with it. I'll, I'll go into later, but um, overall, you know, held my attention really well. There's a, there's a handful of good characters. Um, and, you know, the, the, the conflict is uh, pretty entertaining. So uh, yeah, I was, I was positive on it overall. Nice. Uh, you know, I was too. Um, and that was episode 320 of the podcast that Mike and I reviewed, uh, Dave Franco's other film, which also uh, okay. had Alison Brie in it. Um, so mm. this movie was was kind of a, a little bit of a surprise to me because I was kind of expecting it to go that, that kind of classic rom-com route, like, you know, the ex-lover of, a, of someone who is about to be married kind of wreaking havoc on the wedding festivities and everything that is a you know a staple of the rom-com genre and it even like like the movie even references like Cassidy even says to Allie like you're not going to pull any um like my best friend's wedding shit on on this weekend are you um and what I find so interesting and compelling about this movie and just to plug the Patreon I did do an immediate reaction recording um today um, about it. So if you want to hear me talk about it to myself, uh, check out Patreon. But, um, what I found most compelling about it is that it isn't that traditional, like, oh, you know, love triangle and trying to figure out who belongs to who belongs with whom. It's not that because it's more about Alison Bree's character wrestling with her coming back to her hometown where she left a good relationship for you know to be to become like a success in LA only to come back and be confronted with who she was and what she left behind basically it's there's a lot of like really good meaty character stuff here that I wasn't quite expecting and I I thought the movie was all the better for it um so I, I like that yes yeah um anything else in broad stuff uh what'd you think of danny pooty uh this is the first danny pooty and allison brie collaboration uh since community really 
Um, how'd you feel about he him? He was, he was great. I, mm-hmm. I loved him. Uh, totally felt totally organic and mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I, I haven't really seen him in a lot other than community mm-hmm. and the, um, uh, the goofy Apple TV show with Rob McElhenney. Yeah. Um, um mythic quest, mythic quest. Yeah. Um, I, I watched like the first season of that. Um, I love that show so, it was, so much. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, I really, I really liked him, and, and I think this sort of drove home for me that he's like a actually a really good actor because he oh, he yeah. seemed he wasn't playing like the goofy weird kid in this or like the goofy weird douchey guy like in Mythic Quest or or Community. Like this is mm. he he's a supporting character for sure, but he he just felt so organic in this and and really looked like he wasn't even trying. I mean he 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 felt. Uh, just organic is the word I keep coming back to. He like mm-hmm. he uh he was so at home with that character. I, I just I loved him. He was he was funny and heartfelt at the same time. Really, really good for uh really good performance on his part. Absolutely. And he kind of plays the kind of conscience of the movie and the confidant of Allison Bree's character and to a certain extent JL's character um as Sean as well. And what I what I really liked about that is that it's not this ham-fisted like, oh, I'm the I'm the best friend character of this rom-com uh that I'm just here to expel exposition and to really tidy up the the uh the befuddlement of the romantic comedy at play. Instead, he's like saying like, why are you like, why are you really doing this? Like what's what he's getting to the bottom of like this psychology of what's going on. And he's, he's, he's making sure that the conscience of Alison Brie is not totally clear, but he's doing it in a way that is, is, uh, out of love for his best friend and, and wanting to protect the people that he cares about with, with all of this. So it's, it's really interesting, um, character turn for him, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Do you want to go into a quick spoiler section for, for, for somebody I used to know? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer, uh, and then we're, we're going to go into spoilers for somebody I used to know. So here we go. I still think about what would have happened if you hadn't left all those years ago. I've been kind of wondering the same thing recently. Like if maybe I made the wrong decision. I haven't felt that free in, I don't even know how long. Sean, honey. Mom, hey. I Ellie? Jojo. Hey, hey. What a wonderful thing for us all to be here. So thank you to the bride and groom for giving us a reason to celebrate. To Sean and Cassidy. So, Tiny, one of the things that I really was impressed by with this movie was the way that it really dives into Allie's kind of um, her conflict with with who she is and like what who she should be and her expectations for herself um, with her her coming back to the hometown and and kind of wrestling with who she was and everything, but also the way that she uses this kind of manipulative tactic that she used with her cheesy dessert island show in the beginning of the scene, but uses it to kind of just 
get information to undermine the relationship and everything. It's it's nice that this movie is kind of playing with that same um the same tropes and and kind of gross morality of like romantic comedies like this but it is not letting the character get away with it or it's not letting it's not expecting us to sympathize with what is you know in some cases slightly reprehensible behavior um so i don't know how did you how did you feel about it in spoilers um yeah i i thought it was pretty fun again i i think the whole um you know there's it, it sort of presents this premise of you know she's still in love with this guy she wants to find a way to get back with him she's going to do all this crazy stuff and um you know normally that would result in oh she was actually in love with this person all the whole mm-hmm. time or um they actually end up getting back together because they're meant for each other or you know we jump to three years down the road and they run into each other again and mm-hmm. we can see the beginnings of their future relationship like it could have been all these tropes and traditional outcomes you know um but it, it they didn't do that they you know she she realized hey this is kind of shitty what i'm doing and maybe i don't actually belong with this guy because we're two different people and mm-hmm. I, I my passion doesn't jive with his passion for life you know what i'm saying and so I, I that was just kind of refreshing and and different and i think it worked um and i i was really kind of surprised by that i thought it was going to go a more traditional um tropey direction i guess and it it ended up being kind of original in that regard so i was genuinely surprised with that um also the performances which uh i don't mean to jump to that but Mm -hmm. um i i they weren't hit or miss but i you know some people really stood out i think danny pooty we talked about but the um to me, the standout was actually um, uh, her name was uh, Kiersey Clemens, who played mm-hmm. the Cassidy character. I had never really seen her in anything, uh, oh, at least yeah. not that I remember. Um, she was really good. I, I, I thought she could have sort of the character could have sort of faded into the background in this movie, and she really didn't. She totally she could have been overwhelmed or um, just kind of overshadowed by the Allison Brie character of Allie, but she mm-hmm. really did not let that happen. I, I was really impressed with her as an actor. I, I thought she did a really good job. Um, the only performance that I really wasn't that keen on was actually Jay Ellis as, as mm. Sean. Um, Interesting. I, it, I, I think in the third act, he really came into the character and did a good job and I appreciated it. But the first, especially the first act, and then the second act, I was like, I, this is, he seemed so wooden to me, and just not, mm. he just did not seem into it at all. I could not get a grasp on his character very well. Like, I I was like, is 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 he trying to get back together with the Alley character? Is he, is he not? Mm. Like, I don't understand what's happening here. His motivations are very clogged, and he just, he just seemed really stiff and wooden. Um, and, until things got really dramatic, and then he and then he opened up a lot, and I, I appreciated his performance in the third act. But mm-hmm. er, early on, I was just like I was not impressed at all. So yeah, um, I I saw her in uh, uh, she was in the movie Hearts Beat Loud um, in 2018. She was phenomenal in that. She plays um, uh, Nick Offerman's daughter. 
um and they're dealing with okay. the kind of uh de- dealing with the death uh, uh well the death of the the mother of their mother or her her mother anyway um it's it's about music so anyway it's really good but anyway um, <laughs> i i totally agree um about uh Kirsten Clemens i think she was she was fen- phenomenal and also i do agree that jay ellis is is a little bit stiff in the movie but also i can't fault his performance too hard because i really appreciate the fact that it's that it's that it's Ali and Cassidy that end up bonding in the movie that the that the movie isn't about isn't about uh necessarily about Ali trying to steal um steal Sean back from Cassidy necessarily like that's not the focal point of the movie instead like it's it's not a bunch of like meet cute stuff or rekindling stuff between those two like star-crossed lovers or anything it's about you know Allie bonding with Cassidy and and learning about her and everything and I thought that that was really um a clever kind of spin on um conventional romantic comedies and everything and to your point about expecting it to be a very formulaic thing I as soon as as soon as it said um 6 months later at the end of the movie I fully fully expected it to jump to uh to Allison B Allison Brie meeting up again with Danny Pudi and then it leaving on the note of like oh they're the ones that are meant to fall in love and that's what everyone's <laughs> going to be happy there but no instead she's just she's finally doing her documentary documentary on the on the nudist colony and then uh and then it leaves on a note of like hey dude that I slept with before do you want to hook up again or or him asking her out and then and then her saying like, no, I got to go, I got to go home for the weekend, but maybe next time. Um, it's just, yeah. it was really, it was really good. I really, I liked that button on the movie. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, like I said, it kind of went to some unexpected, uh, some unexpected areas really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else on somebody I used to know? Um, those were kind of the major points for me really. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, same here. Um, uh, we're gonna wind down. I'm, I'm making up this dumb, dumb thing I'm gonna do to. I'm so, so I'm preemptively apologizing, but, um, yeah, I, 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 on the same kind of note, um, I had kind of an interesting experience. By the way, that's our review of somebody I used to know. Check it out on Amazon Prime. Um, <clears throat> and and uh, yeah. But to wind down the episode, I do want to share an anecdote, though, Tiny, since we since we did review this movie, I do want to share that uh, (laughs) I had an experience where like I was I was driving to work and then and then someone kind of um, kind of kind of moved in front of me. And so I got out of the car and I just started like I yelled to them and I said uh, I said and they were just (laughs) like they were like I didn't. And then. And then I'm like, wait, I know you. And then they they were just like, no, you don't know who I am. And I was like, no, yeah, you're Michael. I know, I know who you are. And then, and then they were just like, that's not even my name. So I was like, okay, well, you know. And I just felt like they were just. <sighs> there was no reason why this Michael guy. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, well, I don't think that. 
But at the end of the day, he was just, uh, just turns out that... so sorry that's it <laughs> like that's oh it. my god it was so dumb <laughs> <laughs> wow uh i took the time today when i should have been working to um to put those on the board so um yeah so anyway <laughs> all right <Wow>. well <laughs> i'm not surprised at all yeah no no um, but uh, I don't know. I just had that song stuck in my head ever since, you know, hearing the title of the movie. Um, but yeah. So anyway, those are our thoughts on somebody I used to know. What did you end up rating this movie? I think I gave it three stars. <clears throat> nice. I ended up giving it three yeah. and a half. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think that the, I think that it's, it's a very, very, um, good unconventional kind of, um, uh, character study for me um, when I was expecting a more kind of straightforward formulaic uh, experience. So, yeah. Yeah, anyway. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, should we wrap up the episode, Tiny? Yes. Okay. So, with that is episode 390 of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Um, before we go, I just want to say uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know what you thought of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and... Uh, somebody I used to know. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, you know where to reach us and everything. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff. You can also email Matt at obsessiveviewer.com. And uh, yeah, next time on the show, we are going to be doing the long-awaited next installment of our Ebert's Great Movies List uh, review series. I don't remember what part this is, but we're going to be reviewing uh, Nosferatu, The General, and All About Eve. Uh, so look forward to that. Again, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for tons of content. Um, any parting thoughts, Tiny, or should we wrap it up? I say we wrap it up. All right, great. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play us out. Uh, Tiny, this has been a blast, as always. Thank you for joining me yes, on this. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we are... That's it for this episode. I thought there was something else I was going to bring up, but I can't remember what it was now. Um, yeah, check out oh, check out the other podcast, Tower Junkies. We're going to finally start uh, The Dark Tower soon, and check out Anthology. But yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes... TV, book, and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and yeah, enjoy. It's, it's a pretty decent show. Um, nice. And then I also watched, just briefly, I watched uh, Tar with Kate Blanchett, which oh, we briefly yeah. talked about. Yeah, um, I wish I had seen it before <laughs> the yeah. end of the year because it would have been on my top 10. Nice. Um, really phenomenal i mean the 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 biggest thing to point to is just kate blanchett putting on a fucking clinic she's so good yes um i i I loved her in it but um i think the writing is also really good it's a really Mm -hmm. good script um i thought a lot of the camera work was pretty basic it could have been Mm -hmm. a little more immersive with the exception of one scene at the uh 
there's a part where she like does a uh, uh she teaches at Juilliard. Juilliard, yeah, yeah, like that. That camera work was amazing. Like it's mm-hmm. all one take, and it's like constantly moving camera. Like that that was really incredible. But like that's the only scene like that really. <laughs> um, um, I, I maybe being a little harsh on it in that regard because mm. you know it's always difficult to to shoot like in an orchestra hall and everything. Yeah. Um, with the sound and all that stuff, that's that's difficult. But anyways, um, yeah, the movie is just. It's it's incredible. I I love the um, uh, just the discussion of a form of art that I'm not super familiar with. Mm. Um, and it's it's I've been to a symphony before. Um, and Ooh, it's totally entertaining. And I had a right, and it was in <laughs> Poland too. I went to a European symphony. Oh wow! Um, well, yeah. I went to McDonald's the other day. <laughs> 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 yeah, don't don't be too impressed. I I made tacos tonight with a fucking pre-packaged seasoning from Meyer, so don't nice. don't be impressed. Um but yeah, just like like the the politics of a symphony is mm-hmm. like really really interesting because there's, you know, first chairs and all mm-hmm. these there's just politics and it's it's funny to see that in art. Um Yeah. And uh but yeah, and then just all all the discussion, the depth of talking about music like it's just amazing that people have that much uh uh i don't know that much uh that much depth mm-hmm. to to interpret art that way it's, it yeah. made me feel like um you know I, that new miley cyrus song is pretty catchy <laughs> like that's kind of how i felt yeah. you know um yeah but it, the, <laughs> the movie's fantastic nice i uh yeah it's funny because <laughs> Let me let me think of how I'm going to make this joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally get that about, you know, people talking in depth about art and everything. And I do wish that you would have been able to see, see it before we did our year in review episode, because then you could have been able to talk about it on the platform where we talk, where we've been talking about art um, <laughs> nearly <laughs> like for 10 years now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um yeah speaking of which 10 years jesus christ um yeah yeah whole decade yeah this podcast was edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts for exclusive bonus content including reviews commentaries and b-roll episodes you can subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.